you are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Welcome to another episode of Pharmacy IT and Me, and as with every episode, we start off this one stating that the intended audience is everybody. So today we'll actually be speaking to our special guest and friend of mine, Dr. Emmanuel Akinwoli, on what his role is in the pharmacy technology and informatics world. So thank you so much for taking some time to be on the podcast. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, right, since I last saw you. <laughs> yeah, it's been, a, it's been a little bit. Uh, it's great to kind of connect with you again. So I guess for our listeners... Uh, can you tell them a little bit more about yourself? Sure. So my name is Emmanuel Akinwole. I'm an informatics pharmacist at Providence St. Joseph's. I actually support two of their facilities, Little Company of Mary Torrance and Little Company of Mary San Pedro. So I actually got into pharmacy because of my aunt, who became a pharmacist when I was in middle school. And so that kind of started me down the pharmacy track. And then I went to USC undergrad and USC pharmacy school. And afterwards, I applied to and, and started a two-year administrative residency at the University of Wisconsin Hospital and Clinics. And so I was in this two-year residency, and it was during that time that I uh, got exposed to informatics and sort of decided to go that route instead. Um, Epic is actually based in Wisconsin, so I got certified in Epic Willow, which is uh, Epic's module for, for pharmacy. Came back to California and got into pharmacy informatics, so kind of how I got into the field. So you said that you got exposed to the informatics side in your residency. So what made you actually decide, like actively decide to pursue that route? I think for me, I just love, I love working with data. I love the way technology can be leveraged to improve healthcare delivery, to improve the medication use process. I just got really fascinated with just all the things that could be done, all the ways that we could analyze data to improve our operations, to improve our clinical care. And yeah, just just and the way that interface with all of our systems, all the technology in terms of automated dispensing cabinets, we had a robot there, too. So so it just got me really interested in, in that whole process. And it's just something that I saw myself doing. Awesome. So so in your current role, what are your typical responsibilities? Do you have like a day to day thing that you do or it does it change a lot? I mean, it changes, it, it changes from day to day in terms of, in terms of what I get asked to do. I mean, there's, there's a maintenance piece, which is just, you know, maintaining the med list and making sure those are accurate, helping with making sure that medications can interface with picks and machines and, and troubleshooting those kinds of day to day issues. So that's a part of my day and the things that I kind of work on. The other, a big part of it is just optimization of our system. So when our users have requests related to, you know, safety or just something maybe working better, a particular workflow in the system, then they kind of come to me to initially sort of triage those issues and see, can we take care of them locally or do we need to do something at the system level? Um, and so because our hospitals are a part of a, a larger system and we all share the same build. So Providence St. Joseph's is... Right now, I think 50 hospitals plus. And so, you know, whenever we're going to make a decision about changing something in the system that's going to affect everyone, that has to go through governance groups and committees. And so I'm part of the process to shepherd those and to sort of have the discussions and talk through the discernment and the build and what that would do to our system and get all the approvals necessary. So that's also a big part of what I do at the system level to make changes in the system. And other than that, I just kind of do a lot of uh, just workflow support for my end users as well. 
Okay, that sounds good. So you said that you oversee kind of the build for two hospitals, right? Is it difficult to, I guess, try to get them in sync? Or do they have their own separate builds that you are supposed to maintain separately? How does that work? So uh, some of the medication lists are local. In fact, like the way the build is set up, you know, whatever they stock in their pharmacy, whatever they want their their providers to see, all that is is managed locally. I mean, because we share a build across the system, right, there is a lot of system, you know, system build and, and system decisions that affects both hospitals. Additionally, the director of pharmacy for Torrance about maybe like a year and a half ago now uh, became the director of pharmacy over both. So they're starting to behave more and more like they have the same type of operations and and they're trying to align more and more the things that they're doing. So so that's something that has become easier when they have the same leadership. They have the same leadership, you know, operationally. So they have kind of similar goals. And so it makes it easier to kind of um, to support them both when they want changes and things like that. So what aspect do you see at your institution that has shown to be the greatest support for what you do in your role? Like who has supported you or maybe what kind of governance has supported you? So in terms of kind of the most supportive structure in terms of what I do at our facilities, I think the way that we've set up our analyst build team and our informatics team is really good. We have pharmacy informaticists embedded in each of the ministries. And so like I'm responsible for two. Typically, a pharmacy informaticist will be responsible for anywhere between two and and actually seven hospitals, uh, you know, but some of the hospitals in, in Montana are small critical access, uh, critical access hospitals. So they're much smaller. And so we interface with the pharmacy end users and with other local end users for their needs. And so we kind of do the initial groundwork to understand what, what they would like um, to kind of clarify their asks. And we, we do reports and things for them. Uh, so we kind of do that at the local level. And then we have a team that meets up virtually uh, multiple times a week to kind of discuss the issues that that come up and so to get advice from other informaticists if they're having similar issues locally or kind of do initial vetting for for system changes and optimization requests and then so we kind of can do that in our own team and then so the analyst build team is really freed up from having to interface with end users really at all and so they're free to just build and so once we've vetted our requests, once we've kind of translated their requests, we can we go to that team and we, you know, we can translate what we would like to build or or what what would be good solutions. So, I mean, we are we actually work really well in terms of us as an informatics team being able to vet requests together and also working with the analyst team, shielding them from, you know, unvetted requests, un, unfiltered requests. And so it's, it works really well. Wow, that that's a really good structure. I don't see that often. Like in the places that I've worked, it's kind of been like the informatics team and analyst team are kind of one team. So the way that you guys have it, it's actually a good way of like delineating, only sending the vetted request to the analyst, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, saves them a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. So are there any interesting projects that you'd like to talk about or that if you can talk about? There are some interesting projects that we've kind of worked on or are working on at our location in Torrance, they started an ambulatory clinic on site. And so the director of pharmacy is, is really interested in, in getting pharmacists out into the ambulatory space, you know, kind of knowing that we're kind of trying to get out of this, you know, focus on acute care and more into population health and preventative care. And so 
we um, kind of opened up that clinic really within the past year. It's been maybe like a year and a half now. And there's been tremendous growth in that clinic. And now we're trying to trying to move into telehealth. So we're trying to initiate virtual pharmacy visits so that patients can see the pharmacist from home. And really, that just kind of speaks to that that recognition that, you know, patients already have, especially the patients that we need to see who have complex drug regimens and multiple providers and specialty providers that, you know, they already have a really large burden in terms of seeing healthcare practitioners. So if we can help them see us from home, you know, we can kind of look at their meds from home. You know, they can show, she can just just show us on video what they have. It's really much more convenient for the patient. So, so we're kind of working on getting that project going. That's one of the innovative things that we're doing now. And then I think in terms of hospital operations, one of the things that I've been hoping we can do is really kind of look at some of the default settings we have in our system for uh, medication turnaround time. So I know, I mean, depending on the system, they have a default setting that that gets put on medications uh, when they're ordered in terms of, you know, what time they're due. Our system right now, it's 30 minutes. And so it's the pharmacist's responsibility to, to push it out to maybe an hour, two hours so that they can get the med up. But I feel like that default time, it would be nice if it just defaulted to two hours out. Most of the meds that we give in the hospital are not clinically, it's not clinically necessary that the patient gets them, you know, right, right, you know, stat or, or within an hour, right? They're not going to have a huge acute benefit to the patient. And so it seems like a lot of the times the entire hospital is kind of running on this wheel of, you know, got to get these meds out when, again, it wouldn't matter if the patient got it, at, you know, now or, or or later for a lot of meds. Now, there are some meds, antibiotics and, and things like that, other stat meds that if they put them in stat or if, they're, if there are certain categories of meds, like, yes, the patient needs it now. But I'd like to kind of look at ways for our system to to be able to kind of default to giving nurses, giving pharmacy uh, the time to be able to administer these meds that are not time critical. So you see any barriers with like possibly policies that might need to be approved for that? Uh, certainly. I mean, I think we have, I think one of the biggest barriers is actually technological. So right now in our system, we don't know of a way to flag certain meds differently for, for in terms of the time that gets placed on them. So we, we can't differentiate say antibiotics from you know, routine blood pressure medications or something like that. So, so if, if we turn on the setting that all meds get pushed out two hours, then it'll be the responsibility of the provider slash pharmacist to remember that, oh, antibiotics have this auto, you know, this auto two hour thing. I need to, you know, I need to pull that back and make that 30 minutes. And, and we can see people just missing that sometimes. And, and that's so, and so that's really, that's really the biggest barrier in terms of getting everyone on the same page. On, on what the, what a reasonable turnaround time is, I think mo- we, we kind of looked at it and most people have, you know, kind of turnaround time documents for, okay, you know, what's the turnaround time for stat meds and what's the turnaround time for routine meds. And we kind of looked at that. Most people are around like end of the hour mark for routine meds, but that's something that, you know, I think if we got a good push around it and it was a system initiative, we could get it through everyone's PNT because that's what we currently do now. The system makes a lot of decisions that kind of have to go through local PNTs afterwards. So, okay. That sounds good. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting project. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we'll see. It's the, t- the technological issue is what's holding it back now. I think kind of looking and hoping for some some future development that would allow us to differentiate maybe drug classes, specific drugs that we could uh, target for, you know, getting automatically put out 30 minutes and some and everything else gets put out two hours. And then and then I think 
that being an automated process would allow, I think, just general hospital workflows to go much, much better, right? Much more, much more, more lead time for everyone to be able to accomplish their work and in ways that um, doesn't affect patient care, right? I think it would be tremendously helpful for just smoothing out the operations of, of the hospital and preventing pharmacy calls, which I think are the, are the bane of every pharmacy, a bunch yeah. of calls. Yes. So, do you have any advice for any, you know, current pharmacists or maybe pharmacy students who want to get into the informatics and technology side of pharmacy? My advice would be to, there's typically two ways of doing it, at least historically. Either you're kind of working in a particular, in a particular institution that ends up going live with a new system and you kind of get pulled into it there. And that's been historically uh, the way that pharmacists have been pulled into informatics or to do a residency. I think that the opportunities to get pulled in because of go lives are, I mean, if I'm just kind of thinking about how I think about the landscape, I think those are kind of going away a little bit just because, you know, a lot of places have, have recently switched, you know, to a new EHR. And so and I've kind of settled into into one that they're, they're looking to use long term. So that being said, I think the best opportunity is to is to do a residency, PGY one and then a PGY two informatics residency. Maybe one of the easier ones, easier ways to to get that experience. But I think there's still there could still be opportunities to, to really you know get some really good work experience and to really I think familiarize yourself with operations because I think that's really huge in terms of informatics, being able to understand operations, clinical and just the the workflow in the pharmacy to be able to provide value and then to maybe try to get an IT certificate and kind of go from there and see see if you can kind of network and, and, and play the field a little bit. But yeah, a residency would be the most straightforward route. All right. Thank you for that advice. That was a really good advice. So uh, to be respectful of your time, I'd like to thank you again for taking some time out of your busy day to be on the show. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. If you guys like this episode, you guys can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or any of your other favorite podcasting services. And you can follow us on social media on Twitter or Facebook at PharmacyITME, our Instagram at PharmacyInformatics, or email by uh, PharmacyITME at gmail.com. You can also follow me on my personal Twitter account at TonyDowPharmD, and our website is PharmacyITME.com, where you'll find occasional updates and blog posts. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of PharmacyITME. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal. We'll be right back.